What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We had a great first part to the Wide Receiver Devaluation Podcast with Caleb Wharton. And I want, if you are starting with part two, I'd urge you to go back to part one because it sets up a lot of this problem. And we're going to finish it uh, tonight and got some additional great thoughts. I got to always, when you you deal with Caleb, one of the things you do is you always know where you are because you get quite a long description of presentation points you'd like to go through. How are you doing, Caleb? I'm doing okay. And you know, the presentations, they're, they're kind of my binky with these things. They, they build up my confidence. They, they help me feel like I, I know what I'm trying to say and make sure I don't leave anything out. Hey, that's, that is the way to go for a lot of people. And, and I respect you, you, however you do it. As someone who's given expert testimony in the past, I'd say bullet points are the best way to seem extemporaneous about what you're doing. And you have a lot of that, of course, in, in, in what you do. So you great work here and fantastic topic and got some really great deep thoughts for, for uh, folks on the wide receiver position. But Caleb, first of all, where can people talk football with you? Sure. I'm on Twitter uh, at mazeofthemind.com. I'm not on there as often as I'd like. I've got a young child, but I'm happy to engage with anybody who reaches out, uh, especially on this topic. I'm, I'm really interested in kind of contrarian philosophy and team building and just I, I love cheering for an unusual team and the Ravens have really been that. For, for the last couple of years. Hasn't it been a blast? Ain't the beer cold the way the Ravens have played football the last three years? And and it's 
It's pissed off a lot of people in Baltimore. It's made a lot of people nervous in Baltimore, but it's ended up creating a historically efficient offense, particularly for that 2019 and 20 season, an exciting new quarterback. I wasn't sure about him when he first came out of school. I am now. Yep. Well, and, and we talked about the buyers in the first part, and we talked about kind of that, that, that model of quarterback development, the Mahomeses and Allens and Herberts of the world, and how other teams are chasing them. And I think that's where it comes from, that same source that the fan anxiety is coming from. That's where the, the teams chasing those, those, those examples, the, the, those owners, those head coaches are like, well, that's what success looks like in today's you know, NFL. So we have to do what they did. And I think the... You, know, you keep hearing that on Twitter too, don't you? From people saying you can't win that way. And they'll use it as a way to move the bar on any quarterback who's had a lot of success like Jackson has in a short career the playoffs are he's at one and three it's true but they'll say you can't win in the playoffs like that first of all they say you can't win like that then they say you can't win in the playoffs like that once you do win like that during the regular season and it's it's extremely frustrating to me as an argument style from people when you see that online just how do you react to that i'll admit i don't i i sort of have my 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 inner circle of, of people who I know are, are reasonable. I, I know a few people who who hold that position, but but are are you know willing to kind of discuss it rationally. But here's the real thing: I think there are also a lot of fans who just the passing game is what they're passionate about. Wide receivers are what they're passionate about. They're the ones who are going to be listening to this podcast you know, waiting to get angry and maybe they're already angry at this point, <laughs> you know, but, but the fact remains that, that there has to be multiple ways of playing the game, you know? Uh, um, and, uh, you know, yeah, that's what it comes down to. There needs to be contrarian strategies. There need to be competing strategies. And so somebody has got to play the, you know, play the alternative role. And in this case, that's us. So, but kind of jumping in, um, you know, we talked about before how I felt that, that the Chiefs joining into this sort of selling spree of, of wide receivers is what really legitimized the whole thing for me. Because at that point, you know, what I see as the, the kind of commonality between these teams uh, dealing wide receivers this year, Tennessee, Green Bay, Baltimore, and um, Nashville – Oh, I said Tennessee, and then uh, Kansas City. Kansas City. The, these are established teams. These are playoff teams. These are teams with you know relatively secure and confident head coaches and front offices. These are teams that are willing to take risks, and to some extent, they have to take risks, right? They they have paid quarterbacks. They've got to figure out where their efficient next set of efficiencies are going to come from to keep them competitive going mm -hmm. forward because they can't lean on that rookie QB anymore. You know, that's a great point. Where is your next set of efficiencies going to come from? It's easy to be a GM and say, I need one of these, 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 and get your shopping list and then find out you don't have enough money to pay for that long-term, or you don't have enough money to buy, put that in your grocery basket every week, even if you can come out of your savings in the first week to do that. And, and that's what really, I, you know, I, I find when the Ravens take contrarian strategies that save money, platooning at weak side linebacker is a big one. We can save a lot of money doing that rather than paying a second guy $10 million a year at inside linebackers. The Steelers did for a number of years. If you platoon there, you can get that same position taken care of by two or three guys for less than $3 million probably. And I, I just, that's the question front offices need to answer. That's the tough question they need to answer. The easy question is which wide receiver is the best in this market to try and buy? Yeah. The hard question, how am I going to save money to afford that wide receiver? Well, and, and you know, riffing off of what you had just said there, um, I would also say that in some ways that initial stage where you've put all your chips on that rookie quarterback is the easy part because all of your financial kind of stress, all of your gamble is in one player. If he pans out, you win. Yeah. If he doesn't pan out, you lose. You're probably going to lose your job and none of it's going to matter anyway. Right, but once <laughs> once once you hit, uh, you, you've got to have, take multiple gambles, small ones, all over the place, and you've got to win more. You've got to lose. It's it's a it's a very different and much more guy. complicated thing. Yes, absolutely. And and your initial best is, bet is on draft capital, and your 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 then your ongoing bet is on what you have to pay that guy as a percentage of cap. 
Well, and I think front offices have to prove that they're capable of operating in both of those modes. You know, I've actually been impressed with how Kansas City has has sort of begun to learn some of those lessons for a team that's only recently seen, uh, you know, much success. I expect that of the Ravens. I expect that of the Steelers. I expect that of Green Bay. You know, these are these are teams that are used to winning and have kind of learned these lessons. We'll see if the Bengals can manage it. But uh, but anyway, moving forward, you know, so. So when we talk about these sellers, you know, they've gotten rid of their top wide receivers. In a lot of cases, the Titans particularly, there's no certain things to replace them with, right? They they have taken a serious chance with their offensive efficiency by doing this. And I ask myself, because mm-hmm. I think this is the most important question of this whole thing, why why are they confident now when they might not have been a few years ago that this is a gamble that's going to pay off? Right, that this is not something that's going to sink their seasons, and, and you know, knock them out of contention. And I think the most obvious thing for anybody who's followed the draft for the last couple of years is we have had multiple years of, you know, this could be one of the greatest you know wide receiver drafts ever. And honestly, that isn't pure hype. You know, we have had some really spectacular wide receiver drafts, and we have had. Lots of starters coming out of the second round. We have had some of the best wide receivers in the league coming out of the second round. And we've had starters all over the place. I, I think it's really fair to say at this point, Ken, that there are more players of higher quality transitioning and providing impact sooner than there have been in, you know, certainly the the rest of the 21st century that I've been watching the game. So you know, we'd equated some of that to being a size and shape issue because the running back pool had obviously has, it probably has the thickest size and shape issue other than maybe safeties would be similar. Cornerbacks, there's a lot of people about the right size to play cornerbacks because it's, a, it's you know, an average human height on average speed, but there's still a lot of size and shape matches in that pool. At, at wide receiver, it's actually better than that because th- there's a lot of variation in height, you have to have speed, but there's a lot of variation in height that's acceptable for a wide receiver and also frame size. Well, and I think there are certain positions on the football field that command the best athletes in football, right? If you're just a really good athlete coming into college, there's any number of positions you can play. Um, but there are certain positions which demand one of those high-end athletes. And the thing about those high-end athletes is they are also the ones who have the most control over where they go and what position they play. You know, whereas you, you know, you see these three-star offensive linemen who just go wherever they can manage to get an offer, right? They don't have a lot of control in the Mm -hmm. process because they don't necessarily have something that identifies them early in the process that, okay, this, this guy can play one of these scarce positions, but, but you mentioned, you know, running back, you know, these, these, uh, and actually Joe Hortiz of, of the Ravens called out specifically that he, he thought one of the biggest reasons behind this supply increase was that players were specializing or younger and they were getting position specific coaching at a young age. And also hmm. the college teams are incentivized to find ways to deploy these wide receivers as soon as possible because so many people are leaving early. Now, so all the way through, there is there is this uh, uh, incentive to to optimize the players as fast as possible. You, in in college recruiting process as well, they're going to be highly incentivized to do it because if they want to attract the best best athletes, they want to give them the best positional alternatives. I think you might have hit that from the other side earlier. Now that I think about it, sure. Well, and I think a lot of these current spread offense that's in vogue, what it does is it creates a lot of spots for wide receivers in relatively narrow roles that you get you get them on the field more quickly. And I think the NFL is adopting similar tactics for precisely the same reason. A, because it's familiar to the players coming in. And B, because again, it's a way to kind of take in and acclimate a large number of these high-end athletes quickly. So, I mean, there, and uh, you know, speaking of the body types, one of the things that uh, allows a Marquise Brown to operate in this league, whereas he might not have been able to in others, is you've got the ability to use motion and and and, and other pieces on the field to prevent him from having to 
to go straight into the teeth of press press coverage. You know, you can scheme free releases and make players who might not have otherwise been able to hang uh, effective. So, I, don't, right. I think even just being a Z receiver and and being an extra yard off the line of scrimmage is a big advantage in beating press. Had this come up on another thing, but the tethered receiver, the X receiver, and your tight end or whoever else is at the line of scrimmage on the other side of the field. Um, those guys have the hardest time getting off press. They have to be your bigger guys. It's usually a flex tight end and an X receiver who are doing that. But even even just the Z has has a good chance to get off without motion. But but zeroing in on the running back, you know, I think for most of the history of football, running back was a marquee position that commanded some of the best athletes on the field. And I think that is very much no longer the case, you know, at least at the highest levels. And you are seeing more running backs at wide receiver. And you're seeing more running backs who are pushing to ha- to catch passes and do pass protection. I mean, I, I th- at least I feel like we're seeing more designated running backs who who have enough reps at pass catching to to sort of be a known quantity in that regard. You're not starting from scratch with them the way that you were in the past. Give me an example of who you're talking about with that. I mean, uh, what was the 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 wide the running Danny back? Woodhead. Round. Well, Woodhead is a good example. You've got Duke Johnson. Him coming out, you know, Beatty he is the guy. Yeah. Beatty, yes, he was the one I was thinking of. Or um, Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook's brother, who went to the Bengals in the second. I mean, he's probably the most wide receiver-like running back I've ever seen, and he he's pretty much owned up to it that that he sees himself as a wide receiver, and he might play as many wide receiver snaps as running back snaps. And then if you look at um, the 49ers player, you know, there's it's almost contentious because the team's figured out that he can play running back, but he doesn't want to. You know, so there's this politics mm-hmm. of which position do you play if the team wants you in, in, in one position versus the other. But, uh, you know, so so you can see that this this size and weight uh, pool is increasing, and that's just going to increase the, the number of players that you have to pick from. And uh, in theory, it's going to devalue the position somewhat. And also, you know, we talked before about that that multiple specialized players. That's platooning. Right, that's the exact same mechanism sure. that devalued running backs to some degree. That that you were able to kind of inside linebackers. Them. Yep, that too. Um, so kind of moving forward, though, what I would also say is, uh, you know, this, the the Ravens were in the same division as the 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 two thousand tens Steelers. We saw that machine of drafting second, third, fourth round wide receivers, developing them over two to four years, and then either trading them away or, or flipping them for comp picks. And you know, say what you will about Ben Roethlisberger, but especially towards the end of his career, he was really effective at finding ways to include kind of these talented but raw wide receivers, kind of teach them his preferences and, 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 and sort of uh, um, way of doing things and and helping them be effective. And I think the Steelers harvested a lot of value out of that sort of... Uh, tr- you, you, I remember you used to call it the wide receiver treadmill, but that was the other way, right? It was being on the buyer's end, not the seller's end. Well, I think we right. want to get back on the treadmill, but we want to be the ones being carried by the treadmill. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you're, you want to be on the, the Ravens are on the right side of an awful lot of treadmills in terms of defensive talent and whatnot that they then toss onto the free agent market, get a comp pick. The big thing about being any kind of great drafting team and the Steelers and Ravens both qualify in this category is that you have to make lots of heartbreaking decisions about free agents you let go. And you, you, you continually are having to do that. Uh, but that's a lot better than the other alternative, which is having to be a guy who is looking to pick up Sammy Watkins on the free agent market, uh, you know, to, to replace a big hole you have. And I know the Ravens did that. The Ravens have primarily been a, a, a producer of talent for the free agent market that uh, uh, that has worked for them certainly over the years. But you know, if if it was simple as 
that wide receivers are easier to kind of draft replacements for and replace, then I think we would have seen more of the teams that we're kind of discussing here on the seller's end turn around and then, you know, draft a bunch of wide receivers. And some of them did, some of them didn't. Uh, the Titans kind of tried to go one for one, but the the Chiefs waited a ways into the into the draft. You know, they took one in the second, I believe, Sky Moore, and the Ravens didn't take one at all. So, kind of walking away, I said to myself, "What was the compensating strategy that a these teams felt that they could offset the risk of a rookie wide receiver not working out, or b not take one in the first place?" And kind of looking across right. those rosters, you know, we, we've we've said it a couple of times before the the wide receiver by committee approach, and I feel like that's the direction the Chiefs are coming in. They don't have a single wide receiver anymore that is in, you know, Tyreek Hill's league, but clearly they don't think they need one, right? They can break apart the multiple roles he played and and hand those pieces of the role to individual players who may be more specialized, but but. You know, together they they can replace his uh, his his overall activity. I think the other thing to glean from the, the Chiefs that's similar to the Ravens is they are going to lean on their tight end, you know, star tight end more heavily than ever. And that, and that may be what's at the heart of their of their uh, success. And and there's a certain ability that Kelsey has to get open, to use his body to shield, to always be able to you know move the chains to a certain degree. I think they will miss Hill. Hill's a great player. It's just a matter of they got they got an offer that's too good to receive in terms of all that draft capital and that money in exchange for him. And if if you're forced to choose between several positions in terms of where you're platooning. You'd probably be best served to to do it at a high value position because you can split those dollars up more aggressively to other positions. Now, I, I love doing it inside linebacker, and we've had that discussion before. But uh, but there there are there's there is the ability to do it at running back for sure. We've seen the Ravens do that with very specialized running back roles the last few years with Jackson. It's all worked. Uh, with uh, you know, except last year they didn't have anybody, so not I'm not counting 2021, but 2019 and 20 it certainly worked. But but I think that that if the Chiefs are going to go on this experiment, they're the team that could make it work because of the quality of the quarterback they've got working with them. Well, and and I think the Ravens can consider themselves in that camp as well, to to some degree. I think the strength of our running game, uh, with sort of compounded with Jackson's strengths. Can very much do the same thing. I mean, we didn't we didn't touch on it in the first half, but when we were talking about like Lamar's development, but 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 we mentioned uh, that how bad the 2018 wide receiver core was. Well, the 2019 wasn't much better, uh, but you mm-hmm. could you saw the unbelievable passing touchdown efficiency that we managed with, frankly, a fairly bad wide receiver core uh, when when. A you can force a defense to commit enough resources to defend you know, the run in all circumstances. You can pose a credible threat of the run in almost all circumstances. You can threaten all four downs in most circumstances. Uh, you, you, clearly, you can boost the capabilities of your wide receivers quite a bit in those circumstances. Yeah. I- no, nobody would argue with you for a second that Jackson was the primary component of improving all 11 offensive players, not just himself. And, and you know, the, the obvious fact of the matter is that you have to account for him as a runner on every single play or he will beat you. And I don't mean to pick on kind of the wide receiver maximalists among the Ravens fans, as as annoying as it can be sometimes. But but I feel like there's this anxiety at the root of it that if, if we do you know, if we don't pile wide receivers on Jackson, then he won't be good, right? That 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 the wide receivers are what makes him good or, or not makes him good. And at a certain point, the when you pay a, a quarterback as much as Jackson is going to get paid, you have to expect him to give you some efficiencies in return. You have to challenge him in of terms of of you know the, not giving him all the resources in the world but i feel like we have a hard time of getting out of this headspace of we got to develop lamar we've got to develop lamar personally i think the ravens have been ready to pay him for some time now 
I think they've seen enough, you know, some t- for some time now. He, 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 we're not assessing him anymore. We're not in that stage as a team. And I think they're ready to kind of say, okay, Lamar, how far can you get us? And, and you know, what is the right mix of, of stress that we can put on you and you still produce? I think last year well, was a little some too of much the comments, Some of the comments that come after the draft with regard to that exact topic are have been related to putting a juxtapos- juxtaposing wide receivers in the offensive line. First of all, they talked to Lamar before the draft about the trade of Brown. And you know that Brown had already been talking to Jackson about it and said, you know, I've asked for a trade or whatever. And it's been working, you know, that's been in the progress for for some period of time. So it's not like Jackson hasn't known this was coming. But in addition to, to uh, you know, have two offensive linemen drafted, and we can we could argue a little bit about whether or not those guys – exactly meet the needs of what the Ravens have. They certainly did need an offensive tackle. So if Halele makes a lot of sense, uh, Linderbaum, I hope will work out in the NFL. But the point is that, that it's not like they did nothing to help Jackson, but they do have to decide how on offense can we save money uh, on an ongoing basis to help pay for Lamar's contract. And, and Lamar is a stakeholder in that. There are only a total number of cap dollars involved. They can't give those those away to somebody else and still afford to pay Jackson. Well, and and you know, I there's this this I think uh, sister anxiety of the previous one I mentioned, where Lamar is going to learn to hate the Ravens and he's going to go somewhere else. And Lamar likes to win, you know. And and if he mm-hmm. goes as a very expensive quarterback to a bad team that that can't kind of find these efficiencies and can't work the draft. Sooner rather than later, they're going to be bad too. Probably worse, frankly. Uh, and I don't think he, I think he knows that. Uh, not to mention all the headaches of working for a dysfunctional organization when it isn't winning. I mean, uh, so I, I, I think, I think it's overblown that we need to give, you know, we need to pile riches on top of him to keep him happy, to keep him around. I think that's our anxieties of wanting him to be recognized as, as the best you know, kind of showing themselves and how we believe the Ravens should behave. And, and and when you mean pile of riches upon him, you're talking about both the components of pile draft capital under the offense and pile, um, well, probably money into the offense as well, but also money into him. It's not just a case of piling him with riches. It's giving him assets and uh, around him on offense. Yes, absolutely. He's, he's uh, He has got to understand that, that the – you know, paying, you know, key defensive players is very important. Spending draft capital on defense is very important to create the kind of situations that allowed him to excel to an unbelievable number, uh, unbelievable level in 2019. Well, and, you know, touching, not, not to make this about Jackson's contract, but, but I, I had this sense and I couldn't justify it. And I couldn't, couldn't give you any real argument for why I felt this was the case. But when Bashadi confirmed it, it, it felt it felt really gratifying that Lamar is caught in this tension where he wants to win. And he, you know, there is a real argument that he can help the team win by taking a lesser contract. But at the same time, the NFLPA doesn't want that. His family doesn't want that. His fellow you know, players, in theory, don't want that. There's all of these these pressures on him to get as much money as he can. You go. I, I just want to make the point that his fellow players are split on whether Lamar Jackson should <laughs> get a ginormous contract or not. If they happen to be quarterbacks, they want him to get a ginormous contract. If if they happen to be running backs or wide receivers or defensive players of any sort, they actually want Jackson to get less money. So there is a net zero. There's a zero sum game involved in, in how people feel uh, and how much they feel uh, about Lamar Jackson. And, and you can, party lines are involved, you know, it's, and, and positional lines is what I mean, obviously by that. Uh, but not everybody wants to see Jackson make more money, even within the players union. I remember there was an interesting case where David Wells uh, came out very um, firmly when he was with the Yankees about somebody getting a contract 
that was a lot of money paid to a young younger player. And he said, that money ought to be going to somebody else. That's not even a competing dollars revenue sharing situation. It's not a capped situation in any way. And he's saying, the Yankees ought to spend that money on me, not on this young guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's just, it's to me that boggles the mind, but you, you know that there's a whole bunch of offensive linemen who are basically gritting their teeth at the Deshaun Watson contract as it is right now. No, I think that's that's a fair statement. Really, what I was getting at is, I think we have seen, you know, plenty of evidence that Lamar is aware of the competitive disadvantages that a a record breaking contact would contract would create, and I don't think we should expect that to kind of overwhelm his pursuit of generational wealth and and sort of his responsibility to to his family. But I think that awareness is definitely there, and 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 kind of, and I honestly think it's the biggest reason he hasn't signed yet. He wants to be able to provide evidence that he's worth it, that he's a big enough for big enough force multiplier. Well, you know what? The Ravens have to put him in a position to do that, and that doesn't necessarily mean giving him every single advantage and stripping the rest of the roster down to the studs. Mm-hmm. So let's come yep, back to I, tight I mean, ends, though, because like while we're talking about team building and tight ends, um, one of the things that I think you can note is Andrews is probably a top three tight end. You could you could potentially call Travis Kelsey the number one. Maybe it's Kittle, but all three of them are paid towards low end wide receiver one money. You know, wide receiver twenty, wide receiver twenty five type of money, and. I think intuitively, I mean, if you just go off of counting stats, maybe that makes sense. But I think one, tight ends provide a a variety of advantages and sort of schematic impacts that are difficult to measure. But I think that they're yeah. they're worth much more than that. And so do the Ravens. I mean, that's something that our front office has been very clear about. They see tight ends as an efficiency. If you look at Roman's offense exclusively, I mean, it's built around uh, a 13 personnel uh, package really being the special sauce for the Ravens. It certainly was in 2019. Uh, all I can tell you is as an opposing defensive coordinator, you see three tight ends come on the field. You got really no idea what's coming. You don't know how those guys are going to line up and, and whatnot. You have to watch that personnel come on and then you have a chance to react to it. You have to decide what you put on. And you've decided this before the game, of course, but you, you, it, it has you you have to make that decision at some point during the week and say, well, I'm going to put on three safeties and two corners or I'm not going to play nickel at all. I'm going to play a standard formation because I think they're more likely to run out of that. But it, because it has such a wide variety of uses, whether it's lining up tight ends in the backfield, having two split, whatever it might be. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to game plan against. And I think that is one of the big hidden losses is just how much what the Ravens do to create stress on a defense package wise in terms of when they put on 13 personnel, even 12 sometimes, but 13 for sure. Well, and I think the, the, the prevalence of the spread passing game amplifies that because defenses are optimizing themselves for these very light offenses with light personnel. And it's not that they don't have any personnel that can match up with super heavy packages like the Ravens do, but that's not what they're spending their money to optimize for. Let me be clear here. There is there is an obvious way to react to a four-receiver spread offense with 10 personnel or 0-1. And the Ravens have faced both, the Cardinals in 19 with, with 10 personnel, the Steelers in 20 with 01 personnel a fair amount. But there's a, there's a fixed way to respond to that. You need to put four cornerbacks on the field generally when the other team puts four wide receivers on the field. You have packages or you're you're prepared that week to 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 deal with that eventuality. And so when it comes on, you know exactly what you do. You also know largely what you're getting with a four receiver package and a, and one tight end or four receivers and one running back. So I it it just doesn't have the the offensive schematic variation does not exist there. To, to strike fear into the heart of the defensive coordinator in the same manner. Yes, you can put a bunch of platoon guys out there who can do uh, run different routes and 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 create space maybe differently for you, but it doesn't it doesn't really affect how you how you defense that from a package position. So that's the differentiation I'm making there, Caleb, in terms of of between having multiple tight end groupings and multiple wide receiver groupings. Well, and, and touching on I think one of your favorite subjects, I think 
the the Ravens are or the Ravens and the rest of the league, frankly, are trying to figure out what to do from a schematic standpoint with the inside linebacker position because it is very very difficult to find a competent coverage inside linebacker. It's difficult to develop one. It's difficult to buy one, um, and. I think you can you know, try. Uh, some teams have tried bringing in like supersized safeties and kind of converting them mm-hmm. and, and hoping that that'll work. I don't know that that's been a smashing success. I think the overall takeaway we should have is that's a really trying to deal with a really big slot is a super awkward thing for a defense to do from a personnel standpoint. So, yeah, you should do that as an offense. And I think to a certain extent, tight ends satisfy that they are the biggest slots you know they are the mm-hmm. okay in a run pass do i try to block him with a, a safety in a passing game do i try to cover him with a linebacker there isn't a good solution if he's good at both things um so right. just just in, you know between the cost efficiencies and the schematic efficiencies we just discussed tight ends are a really good deal and then to throw it out too they are difficult to develop they're, they're they're because of those multiple responsibilities they pretty much never come out of college as complete players there's always some aspect of development some hole in their right. game yeah the, the the move tight ends for example like the ravens use them a lot they're they're relatively difficult to find in college there's just not a ton of those coming out every year you get more of the guys who are in line who either are good lining up in line where they're going to run a route, meaning they're 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 tethered to the line of scrimmage, they're facing upfield, they're they they might pass block occasionally, but most of the time they're they're going directly out on a route, or guys who are flexed and split and usually also tethered to the line of scrimmage opposite the X receiver and and looking at uh you know running vertical routes or routes that get to the top of the tree in their case uh, b- before they break. So I, I you 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 definitely have you, you definitely guys who get lots of guys who do that one thing well. There are a lot of big tight ends in college. There's there's fewer of the move guys of the Swiss Army knife guys who are really at the competent athletic level uh, to play in the NFL. Well, and and I think the Ravens had a significant success adapting Andrews not only as as a passing threat, uh, which I think we were. We were pleasantly surprised, but not super surprised about that part of it. But he's he's come around as a blocker. You know, we were able to mm-hmm. grow that part of his game and make him effect, more effective. I think he's seen more growth in that area than in in the passing game. And if Kolar works out, I'm really going to think that uh, they're onto something. That that they have figured out sort of what the tells of a a tight end who who just was too valuable to his offense as a passing threat to give blocking responsibilities, but maybe had more ability mm-hmm. than, than he showed. And if, if they manage it twice, I'm going to be like, okay, I think I have some idea of where they might think they have an efficiency. That's a great point. That's a really great point. And you do, you have multiple ways where you can gain that efficiency in a run offense because he doesn't have to necessarily be a guy who can either either be an outstanding pass blocker because very few tight ends are, or be a guy even who can who can block the edge effectively or or, or extremely effectively in the run game. There are guys who can do that. And there are plenty. Dick Boyle, you know, obviously is 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 one of those guys you can move around and 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 block efficiently. But there's a there's an intermediate step. There's a guy who can get to level two and level three and block a safety or a or a cornerback and keep his feet and not be lungy. That has tremendous value to an offense. That turns a lot of ten yard gains into thirty when you can get one guy blocked effectively in level two or level three with a you know a Miles Boykin type guy or a, or a tight end like Andrews who who can keep his feet and doesn't have to lunge to block. Well, and you you talk about tight ends and and you know the the ability to block it, it one of the things that came to my mind is thinking about the Rams offense this year and uh how much difficulty they had although they ultimately succeeded in repra- replacing Robert Woods and they said the single most important thing Robert Woods did on the field was block he allowed them to stay mm-hmm. in light personnel to kind of spread the field out with his ability to 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 be a wide receiver but also his ability to be a hinge point in the in the run game as well so you know 
if you can get that blocking from, I think you, you can get that blocking more reliably from a tight end than you can a wide receiver, but clearly that, that sort of dual role is valuable no matter what body it's in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very much agree. Well, tying things up, you know, uh, so, so, you know, is 2022 kind of what we are going to see going forward? I think, to be honest, I do think free agencies are going to be frothier going forward. And I think a lot of it has to do with the, the social norms of these young players kind of being aggressive and, and asking for trades and, uh, you know, uh, trying to move themselves in this way. Because let's face it, it's paid off big for all of the wide receivers who've done it. They get all of this leverage over the, the team they land with. You know, there's there's no reason they wouldn't ask for it in a lot of situations. I, I do think there's going to be a point where maybe the buyers aren't as willing to shell out the money. I think it depends on how this sure. this, this group of uh, and and then that's going to be the sort of the test. What is the 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 compensate the the lower end of the compensation that teams are willing to accept. But at the same time, I almost wonder if demand. Go for it. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I. I just had a point to make about that. I mean, this is a supply and demand market here. That's that's should be acting efficiently, and if it if it is, we'll see that the cost of teams signing a you know having to sign a big player do the leverage they have right after they trade for them will flow back in terms of reduced compensation to the trader. So that that market should balance itself out in time, wouldn't you think? I think so. Unfortunately, you know, the part of the, the part of the nature of a market is that it's a way to communicate and sort of discover information. And good markets tend to have lots of rapid transactions, so you constantly have a sense of where things are. Um, you know, it, the NFL is a very herky jerky, you know, uh, sparse market. So I think in in the NFL, it's all about examples, right? Something worked, something didn't. It it doesn't feel very scientific, but when you only you have so few data points to go off of, it actually makes some amount of sense. Uh, so that's that's kind of how I think of it. Yeah, I've I've never been able to convince one of my really good friends that discrete gambling is really different from continuous gambling. And, and you know, you can use the extreme example. You know, you have one bet to make the rest of the year, and it's at it's at eleven fifty nine p.m. on December thirty first, and then you have to consider taxes and a chance to go to either side of zero. And discrete gambling is very different from continuous gambling. Continuous gambling in stock markets or bond markets or whatever, you get continuous ongoing feedback. Markets are continually building the news into many, many transactions are, are, are making that right. In, in these individual discrete gambling markets, you, you make a gamble, either you win or lose. It's a while before you get to make another gamble. And then you have to go off a, a, a relatively limited set of gambles league wide, even you know, in a relatively frothy free agent market for wide receivers, to decide who was right and who was wrong in terms of those transactions. Very difficult to do. Well, and just to make it worse, in the NFL, it's kind of games within games. We didn't touch on it in this discussion, but uh, you know, for a lot of these rebuilding teams, the, their goals are very different than than the competing teams. Because for these these you know teams early in rebuilds, they're just trying to develop that quarterback and buy themselves some breathing room because they've got three or four years before their their owners get impatient and give them the axe. Whereas the Ravens, the Steelers. You know the Green Bay Packers. They're play, they can play longer games. You know their ultimate objective is the Super Bowl, and if they have to take a step back to stay before take a step forward, they're comfortable in doing that. So it's all you know. Everybody at the table isn't even playing the same game here in terms of the bets they're taking, and 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 so in a lot of cases they can take you know actions which appear irrational which are really just evidence that they're they're operating within a different decision making framework i think right i mean yeah it, it the a, a level consistent set of results consistent success in the draft is is good enough evidence for me frankly of very rational decision making by a team and a team that is willing to go 1 and 15 then 11 and 5 make the playoffs make a run at the super bowl 
that to me, I, I've had this discussion with a lot of other people. I am unenamored from that as a fan. I don't want it if I'm watching at home from my couch, and I really, really don't want it as a season ticket holder. I don't want to go spend a lot of effort going to see bad football for half the years in hopes that I have a slightly increased chance to to win the Super Bowl in some particular year, which I really honestly don't even believe that's that's true. I think people hand wave past it that you have to you have to spend a lot of money all at once to make a run at winning the Super Bowl. I don't think that's true in the NFL with with you know revenue sharing. I think you 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 get the best lottery tickets you can every single year to make that tournament and hope you 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 do the best you can in it and provide your fans with a consistently outstanding experience rather than uh, rather than the herky jerky up down markets that uh, that may get you there may not at their peaks. See, I'll throw you this though. Like cuz I feel like the extreme version of what you just said is the Saints. In the sense of they're all in every single year. So they might not be good enough to win the Super Bowl, but they'll never be bad. You know, and uh, that's I. I mean, the were the Saints good this last year? I don't remember, but weren't they yeah, a sub five hundred team or, or very close to it? So, so yeah, I don't. I, I'm not sure. I know either. I mean, I, I would consider the other side of it to be the Rams, who have who have you know traded away every first round draft pick from here until eternity in a seeming ongoing deal with the devil they have, and they won a Super Bowl last year, and now it's impossible to dissuade anyone that that's that's the best strategy out there. Oh yeah. Great yeah. great that they got it done during their during their window, but boy, they will pay for it. I mean, this was a fun uh, Super know, Bowl I, to watch, but from a team building team building perspective, I feel like it was like a single, a huge big ball of bad examples of team building. You know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> On both sides actually, but yes. Boy, yes. well, yeah. So, uh, All right. any, any other concluding comments here? Yeah, you know, you 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 basically said what I was going to, which is I I do think these supply changes to wide receiver are permanent and are ultimately going to change kind of wide receiver valuation across the league. I do think superstars are still going to get paid. There's sort of a PR and a business aspect to that as well as a competitive aspect. They're the face of your franchise in a lot of situations. They have lots of leverage in that sense. Um, but I do think the market's going to come to earth. But until it does, I expect to see, you know, uh, I, I expect to see a lot of aggression in the draft of like of teams trying to stay out of the f- f- wide receiver free agent market. And I, it, you know, you'll be able to tell when it stabilizes when I think the the more established teams start start to play in it a little bit more. Yeah, that's I, that is always a good sign is to is to see who the who the good teams are. We have a great, a, a great pod coming up in a, in a few weeks on who have been the best drafting teams relative to what they have. And I really want people to take a look for that. Paints a very good light on the Ravens, but Caleb really appreciate having you on for this topic. Very thought out, well presented topic, lots of good points, lots of great discussion. You know, you can tell by the amount of passion on this, that we really love talking football. Caleb's a very calm guy has always a steady kind of, a uh, a way about his voice. I, I'm I'm the opposite in terms of I get really excited. When I'm getting really excited, that means I'm having a lot of fun with the football topic. Well, yeah, you know, I it's funny. I I don't think of my voice in that way because I I I I'm in a you know got that Italian heritage. I speak with my hands a fair bit, but in this medium, I guess the the, the crowd can't see my hands. So I have I had a great time too, Ken, and and I really appreciate you giving you know me a venue and 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 folks like me. I think it's one of the best things about your podcast that you have such a rotation of contributors and that you're always adding. I appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on, Caleb. Tell folks where they can either find your work or talk football with you. All right. So I'm on Twitter at, at Maze of the Mind, and uh, be happy to talk about this topic or anything else relating to the Ravens, particularly on the team building side. And uh, yeah, you know, I, um, I I look forward to hearing from folks and look forward to you know listening to this podcast and the rest of the ones you're coming out with. You've got quite the tempo. Of, Outstanding. Really appreciate having you on, Caleb. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short this summer, I'm always looking for people and looking for people with good ideas like what Caleb brought to us here. So if you have an idea for a multi-part, multi-segment show, Caleb's was an outstanding one here. We couldn't, there's no way we were going to get this done in one episode, but we got it done in two, which I think beat my expectation 
for how quickly we'd be able to get through it. I mean, Caleb is very organized and whatnot, but this is still, this is a lot of material. Um, if, if we have someone doing uh, the evolution of the game in four parts, which is a, which is a really interesting one, I think you'll, you'll, you'll find. Uh, we have other good ones uh, that are just solos, including some uh, material on the draft, like I said, coming up. But hit me up with your idea. DMs are open on Twitter. If it's a narrow idea, that's good. We can, we can discuss in a relatively short amount of time. If you have an idea like Caleb's, it's very broad and multifaceted. We'll talk about that too. We'll just need to take more time. and I'll get back to you very quickly in either case. Caleb, thanks again for joining us. Fantastic topic. Great, uh, great discussion tonight. All right. You have a wonderful night, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.